what I really want to talk about is how we got where we are, Lorna, to be honest. We've been through what is known on the television as a journey, I think, in the last uh, 12 months. Um, I know it started probably more than that, nearly three years ago, in fact, Mm. when you first got in touch with Hive. Um, But really, it's how on earth did we end up with an audio drama called Called (laughs) Defied, yes. That's going to be that's being broadcast on the seventeenth of December, and hopefully will be available for people to listen to again and again in the future. Um, how on earth did we end up here, Laura? Well, I think we we started, didn't we, with with this football photograph with my grandfather in it, and the family knew it was deteriorating. So we went to somebody and got that sorted out. And then we thought, there's probably only one. So let's share it. Let's go back to Bowdoin and share this, this photograph. So it was a Bowdoin Colliery AFC, 1915 to 16. And we, actually I went to the library first. They passed me on to Jarrow History Society, who passed me on to Beadsworld. And then I I came with this photograph, if you can remember, met you, met Cathy, met Mike, and uh, talked about wanting to to gift this to the original club and also to find the descendants because Mm -hmm. we thought they would like a copy of this photograph too. And we were so fortunate. One, we were able to to gift of the photograph and two, we found a couple of descendants and then um, John Caffrey turned up, didn't he, with his ancestral chart? He did. You're right. He turned up one one day. He turned up in the cafe, having had a look and had having seen the photograph. And he came along, and he uh, he thought one of the names was one of his ancestors. And from that, did a little bit of looking to see. Obviously, it didn't turn out to be. But I spent an amazing afternoon with him. Um, where he came and brought some of his research that he'd been doing into his family history. And he told me all about his grandmother, who had been in uh, the Munitionette and in uh, ladies' football teams right. in the in that time. And he mentioned his grandfathers, and he, well, he had quite a lot of information about his grandfathers. And one of them was actually involved in the Jarrell Real accident in 1915. And I'd never heard of it before. And it was an amazing story. Um, And we found out that this accident happened at St Bede's Junction. Not far from Bede's World. World. It's very close to where the Bede's Metro Station is now. And nobody had really heard about this. That's right. It really amazed me that people... And John had been doing some research into it over a period of time. He'd already done, done quite a bit. And um, the fact that he'd found a headstone in Harton Cemetery, and on that headstone it has the name has the name of the three soldiers that died on the in the train crash itself, but at the very bottom it also has a note that says and twelve civilians that lost their lives in the St Bede's Junction accident, and it amazed me that there wasn't any names, and. I understand now why there isn't any names there because the train crash itself was so horrific and the fire 
because they were gas the the carriages were gas lit the fire um consumed the first two carriages and so therefore it was very difficult to identify who the bodies were mm. that were on the train but i but when john you look through john's research in the newspaper people were being named of who had actually died and were being identified some very from very strange artifacts that were found including false teeth um a, a tin a beard tin that they had a knife all little artifacts that the people had and so they were being recognized and identified as being people that died and i felt that there should be somewhere why isn't there a list of people why isn't mm. there a monument for it and it's something that john has fought hard and long for that he wanted to get some sort of monument produced but from that it kind of it felt like we needed to get the story out there somehow and I thought because we had the radio we thought well is there a way that we can get a story out and I can't honestly remember when you and I had that conversation to think about how we could make it into a drama well I think it was possibly November of last year so that's November 2014 Mm -hmm. and uh, I remember sitting down beside you and you saying I want to write this story and I answered quite naively I think at the time well I write and I think thinker I think that was yes it, 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 it started from there yeah and I think having read the inquest um, report that really stimulated one's imagination Mm. Um, but I think we made that de- the decision early on, didn't we? We wanted yeah. to write and commemorate the event, but we needed to create fictitious characters because we didn't want to upset any descendants. Mm. So we stand by that decision. Yes. Oh yeah, definitely, it was uh, it was a good decision that one. So I think I think the first scene was in December. I think I came to you with a scene, and I think it was. I think it was, was it the Irvings? It could well have been, that, yeah. That's the second scene in, I think. Mm, and yeah. I think it might have been the Irving family, although I knew I was interested in writing about soldiers. I don't know yeah. why. But I was. So it could have been Tom O'Bird and Joe. Um, but it was one or, one, or, one or the other. And I know you'd taken the factory girls, hadn't yeah, you? You I, were going to write about the factory that girls. That sort of... It piqued my interest of the idea of how women were involved in, in the in the times and the war effort mm. and what they would be getting up to and mm. doing, and and it led to doing a little bit of research into what sort of things that women were doing, and the fact that the only woman that died in the train crash was a stocking knitter from Newcastle or a stocking knitter in in Newcastle. Right. She was actually from further away than that. Um, and so it was kind of intriguing to find out a little bit more about what women were doing. Well, it was interesting, I thought, when you did the research and you discovered an interesting snippet that you used. Yes. I know it was the looking through on the internet trying to find out what people would have done. And I discovered a woman who was... Oh, what I discovered, it wasn't a woman. It, what I discovered was that they'd found a kilt with... A message in from the people that person had made it that actually sewn the message into the kilt that went out to the soldiers and that that really kind of triggered my imagination of 
what sort of things would people be sending messages to other soldiers for? Was it just a good luck message or was it just to remind them of home that there were people thinking of them? And that's where the idea came from for Lily and wanting to send messages out with the uniforms that she was working in. Yes, and her conflict with Mr Carter, that nasty factory manager... Yeah, and uh, the first scene, in fact, it is yes, yeah. and the the fact that he's uh, he's he's more important profits are much more important to him than people. Right. In all honesty, yeah. <laughs> so but, I think yeah. we we went on from there, didn't yeah. we? Meeting possibly once a month, I maybe a it, few, maybe a few times yeah. more, where we'd read a scene to each other, yeah, and read it again, and then and then start. To edit it, relying very much on our ears. Yes, and it was it was good to actually work with somebody else because we were really bouncing ideas off That's of right. one another. That's right. And and certain things that when somebody else was listening to it, said, no, that really didn't work. And when you read it again, you realise actually, yeah, that doesn't work at all. <laughs> Let's just get rid of that. that. And I think we did um, we did dump more than one, oh, yeah. one scene or one. We, we certainly dumped one scene. Yeah. There was no doubt about that. Okay. Yes, it had to go, yeah. and it did. And considering how well, how many scenes have we got? We've got 11 scenes in there now. And uh, the number of characters, I will say, was something that... It sounded great, it f- was fantastic, but as time went on and we actually started the production... And to count the number... <laughs> we realised that having 24 characters in the play... Was stretching it a bit. Well, we we needed to find twenty four volunteers. Difficult. It was. It was difficult. Well, I don't know. We found a lot of willing volunteers, though we did press gang one or two. I will say um, into it, but I do think that the majority of people came along with their own free Free will. will, They did, and all of those that came along actually did go away having had quite a bit of fun. Yeah, and and got a part. And sound extremely professional. Yes, they do. Yeah. We, you know, we, I've been bowled over by the support that we've had for this. Oh, they've been, it's been wonderful. I mean, John Caffrey, who wanted his plaque yeah. for those who died. We've had support yes. from Ben Hudson, who has taken the story that we've written, mm-hmm. gone away and written a folk song based on the characters in the play, which I'm just yes. amazed Brilliant. by. Brilliant. And then we've got the artists, our, our Stephen Pratt, who is an artist that's based at Beads World. And from our discussions on what we fancied having as a logo, we which, which, which was one line from me and <laughs> another one from you, Dan. Yeah, I think yes. it, was a, it was an exceptionally basic Take pencil drawing. drawing of... A signal box yeah. at St. Bede's Junction. We had the uh, we knew what we were, we were trying to do, not able to draw it in any way, shape or form. So speaking to Steve, I'll, I'll never forget that. I went in and I said to him, Steve, you couldn't do us a favour. We're looking for a pencil drawing or a, a drawing of a signal box. Um, and I showed him our little sketch of the idea that we had. And within 24 hours, sitting on the... The studio desk when I came in was an ama- the amazing drawing that has become our logo okay. and I, he'd, he'd gone, he'd done some research he'd found some photographs of signal boxes in the area um, he'd looked at another 
artist um, that had drawn, um, painted a signal box from Jarrell. Right. And he'd had a look at that picture and accumulated all of that, looking at our very basic dra- stick man drawing of... Um, I just absolutely blown away and so many people have seen it and so many people think it's absolutely great and um, like I say I've just been blown away by the support that these guys have given us one way or another Um, and on top of that Ben who has written the song is actually in the play as Alfred Though I couldn't persuade Steve, no matter how much I tried, Steve wasn't really um, keen on the idea of joining in. However, he has helped us with bringing maps in. He's done other little bits of research that have sort of, you know, told us a bit more about Jarrell and the stories, which has been great. Um, Just thinking of the list of characters that we have and the number of Mm. um, volunteers that we've got. They came from such a wide range of, of people. We've got people from drama groups. We've got ex-students of Sunderland Uni. We've got staff the and museum. volunteers from the museum. You've got people that Lorna managed to press gang together <laughs> to bring down, um, which includes some fantastic voices from the likes of Yvonne mm-hmm. and Brogan. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then we had our um, linguistic experts. Yes, we, yes. we needed those. That was Ian and Wendy who came to advise and then suddenly ended up with a script in their hands. And they were, they, 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 they got... <laughs> <laughs> we managed to give them parts as well. Yeah, I know. It was just... Hey, if you walk through the door and you got a bit of paper in your hand, you had to read it. Um... <laughs> What we will, what I will say is, I think one of the best, um, most abused people out of all of it was David, because he came along, and because we had, when we were doing the read throughs and the number of people we had, we weren't able to <laughs> logistically. It just wasn't possible to get everybody together, was it, Laura? So. When we were doing the recordings, it was there was Lorna, there was me trying to take part. Me, there's absolutely no way I would ever get a job and, as an and actor. And twiddle buttons. And twiddle buttons. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. All right. I was I was doing the I must admit I was trying to do the technology part of it, which again leaves a bit to be desired. But never mind. We'll talk about that on another day. And then bless him, poor David, who doesn't know which character he eventually became. Right. I think he's uh, he played every part. I think. He, Yes. Yep. Man, woman, and child. <laughs> Sterling Wolf. <laughs> but yeah, we it was it was great fun doing it. The read through we actually did a read through with uh, a mi- minimum number of people helping us, including Wendy and Ian, and and that read through I think we recorded it, and I think that was an absolute boon to us because we then sat and listened to that. That's right. And that's where we identified. Who, which scenes really weren't working? We then incorporated some of the information into the scenes. What we wanted the was, characters to sound yeah. like, yes. Yeah, you, you know, it really started to to take some shape. Um, and then we went on and did some auditions to get everybody involved. And I can remember sitting in the the Oval Room in Bede's World with. 
There was probably about 10 or 12 people sitting there all reading their parts. And I'm sitting there thinking, what on earth are we doing here? This is going to be mad to try and actually put together in the end. However, it the auditions went really well. And I think everybody that came actually got a part and they they enjoyed it yeah and they were great yeah i think you know you'll mm. you may well hear later on through the day um people talking about being part of this and uh again i just think everybody has put so much effort into this i know that there's uh there's one character in particular who's who was a bit miffed that we made him a 60 year old man graham <laughs> <laughs> But I think he's come to accept it now. He does sound a little bit younger, and he is a little bit yeah. younger. Um, but I do think sort of we had a a younger man playing a sixty year old, and we had a more mature lady yeah. playing a fourteen year old. So I think you know we had a bit of a mix up there, but it worked. It worked. I think it worked. You need to be the tell. You need to tell us that, listeners, yeah. what you think of it. I think. Um, Who was your favourite character? My. Favorite favourite character mm. oh gosh there's so, there, I know there's there are a few a few really I think um, Vi's character I think comes in and, and she sort of pulls things together a little bit and, and, and shows the, the, the sort of the relationships between the different characters that are there and how in a way, the times were and the way that society looked at people mm. in them times. And I think the fact that she's, as a character, she's a she's of German descent, in love with uh, somebody else that was from German descent, and how they were being treated differently by the community mm. of the time. Mm. And I think the fact that the, that works really quite well to show the way that society was then and her character brings that out. But I also thought um, the driver of the heaven train... I, really I think should. he changed his surname. He changed we did, because it was... It was George, and it was George Byrne. Yes. But you changed the surname. We did. And the reason why we changed the surname was because we'd put it through as Burn, B-U-R-N, but when we had second looks back at people that actually were part of the the train crash itself, the actual train crash, there was a Burn in that That's as right. well, which is a B-Y-R-N-E. Yeah. So we felt that to, just to move it slightly away from mm. being too close to the right character. So why did you like George? I liked him because, again, he showed a bit of the character of the time. It, he was a, he thought it was a man's world and the woman's place is in the home, and he is shown to be, um, actually, quite out of line with the way that society was changing. That his daughter was actually twenty three and got a full time job, and she was independent. And that wasn't the way that life was, as far as he was concerned. She should be in the house looking after him, giving him, having his slippers ready for him when he comes in the door. I thought even the, more hilarious is he thinks he is a man of the world. Yes, yeah. He, he thinks he's moving with the times. 
And he's yeah. not. But it's just so evident. Yes. It really is sort of just so out of place with the way things actually really are. And uh, I find it quite, just listening to him when, now, when you listen to the way that it comes over, it's just quite amusing. Yes. And I found him really quite funny. So I don't know. I wouldn't say that they're my favourite characters because they all are. Oh. Because I can't think of any that I don't really want to have in there. I don't know. You know. Now, my, now my, one of my favourites is Davy Henderson, who's the driver of the pilot engine. <laughs> and and when, it, he, when I invented him, I knew exactly what he looked like. I knew exactly how he sounded. And um, because of the facts, because he was this pilot engine driver and he was the one that ended up on the, on the, the railway line, he was the, the problem. Yes. And this is why the, the train from Shields and the other one from Heaven um, basically crashed into him. And, um, and one wondered why this pilot engine had been on the line, sitting there for a number of minutes with nobody knowing. And of course, this was the cause of the accident. And and it was just so interesting trying to get into this man's head and wondering, well, what was he doing on this line, um, <clears throat> and um, and how he would, how this sort of character would get on with the the fireman. So I decided to make the fireman younger, and um, naive, mm-hmm. and uh, slightly mid- middle class, and um, a bit of a mummy's boy. <laughs> And it's really interesting hearing the sort of gravelly voice of the Davy Henderson character against uh, poor Bill Mason, who insists on being called William, but uh, yeah. but Davy ignores that all the time. Yeah. And hearing the conflict between the two, so he's one of my favourites. I think I rather like uh, Tomo as well, but that's because Tomo is a villain, mm. and it's so interesting writing about villains. <laughs> And uh, trying to get into his head about how how he felt, why he acted the way he did, what had happened in his background that had caused him to be the way he was. Yeah. Racist, um, aggressive, um, and, all, and all those things. So he yeah. was really interesting to write. And uh, also to work in the changes in the character mm-hmm. um, and uh, his partnership with Bird and how, mm-hmm. th- how that would change and, and how Joe, our hero to some extent, uh, how, how, he, uh, how was he with these two men? He was very different to them and yet they appeared mm-hmm. to get on. And, and, but do they get on throughout the whole of the play? Well... well. Mm. Well, the whole point is that throughout the play, you see the 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 way that things change, yes. they evolve, yes. and people's attitudes change, and the relationships. And the relationships, yeah. And it's and I think it is the the way that those characters play off against one another, and it's again, it's more than one character. It is all of the characters through the play actually change a little yeah. bit. And what what I think I one of the things I I wanted to do is to to show it almost three hundred and sixty degrees in terms of of that incident those mm-hmm. the people that would have been involved involved in it could have been involved in it and and how they came from all sorts of different 
walks of life. Um, and through no fault of their own, they were involved in this appalling accident. And uh, what led them to go on the train and, and what happened to them at the end. Mm. Um, so based on that, you, you've written other... You've done other types of writing before. Yeah. How did the writing for an audio drama be di different to what you would have put into a book or into a novel? Or Well, I, I had to obviously think outside my normal comfort zone. And I had to really think about listening, thinking about sound and uh, people who were just hearing something. And so it had to be vivid, it had to be alive, it had to be active. Um, the voices had to be very different. Um, it had to be engaging, more, almost more engaging than a novel or a poem or, or, a, or something for theatre because people are relying just on their hearing. Mm. So for me, it was, it was really exciting. It was the first radio play I've ever written and um, a huge learning curve really exciting as characters evolved as scenes became reality um, even more exciting when you heard people reading their parts and their characters came alive mm. and and wonderfully exciting when the sound effects were added because the scenes then became alive and for me it was almost it was like layering because you start with your ideas and then you 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 put you get your character you get the plot you get you get um, the dialogue and then everything else is added and and for me i know if if somebody walked through the door if if davy henderson walked through the door i'd know immediately who he was mm -hmm. um and i hope those who listen can also visualize those characters as well as i can yes i think when we were doing the the auditions when you were listening to people's voices and when we listened to them again because we did record them when we were doing the auditions and sort of saying who would fit which particular part there were certain voices that were just you just knew just knew exactly who the character was that they needed to be and uh, it it was it was great to see it was great to have the opportunity to have and so many voices to be able to fit to the different characters that we had, mm. um, you know, we did use one or two people. You will see that they've that there was a couple of people has played have played a couple of roles in the play, um, but they had the voices to be able to to interchange between the different scenes. But I think it's been an interesting learning curve how we've gone through yeah. all of this. Yeah. And um, but I have. I'm proud of what we've achieved, mm. and I think it's given me a real feeling that this is something that we can be proud of, and also grateful for the people that have actually been involved with it. And I think similar, but I also feel it's something that one can build from, because yeah. I think. The community that have come together mm -hmm. and volunteered to be part of this, if we came up with another project, I'm, I'm sure they would volunteer again. Yeah. 
so many of them have said that if ever you're doing anything else, mm. let us know. Mm. And I do think that it's been it, it's been fantastic. It's not, but it's not just the actual play itself that's amazed me. It's mm. you know we've got the art. Let's like yeah. say we've got Ben and we've got Stephen who've produced the art and the the song, but also the people that have come involved in. We've done the small exhibition to provide information about the research that we've done about some of the actual people that were involved in the accident. And just out of a very small idea of, of, well, maybe we could put a few notes up of what we've Mm. done. We've then managed to get books with the stories in and we've spoken to one of the, a writer that wrote the factual stories about the accident, which is Rob Langham. And then we had this little idea of a, wouldn't it be nice if we knew what the trains looked like? And having been down to, to Darlington and going through the Head of Steam, we came away wondering what the train looked like. If actually we'd known at the time, and the fact that there was a big green engine leaving the shed on the deer, which happened to be a replica of the one of the trains that was in the crash, which would have been great. And Lorna really did want us to try and persuade the driver yes. to fetch it to Beadsworth and sit it outside. That's right. <laughs> But from that, we said, um, we wondered if there was a model group that could show us or have, lend us maybe just the models of the trains or tell us where we could go to buy them. And I think that was quite a unique experience, going to visit the guys at the A19 Model Railway Club. (laughs) Where if you go on and look at their website, their, um, their description of whereabouts they're based, where you go... Up a back lane, into the gar- into the uh, yard with the gates, and up the blue steep stairs in the corner. It was a bit. <laughs> I, I must admit, we did have a bit of a. Oh my goodness, where on earth are we going here? Um, but it was well worth a visit. They Sca- were brilliant. I will say that their stairs absolutely scared the living daylights out of me, um, and I'd rather meet them on ground floors in future. <laughs> because I'm not one for heights. But we met the guys there, and they were really interested in the story. Again, somebody else that hadn't heard the story, which is something that's come through time and time again, is that people didn't know about the story of the St Bede's Junction accident. And these are guys that were originally based at a railway club at Tyne Dock, and they were, a lot of them are from South Shields, and they... Kn- thought they knew all the history of the trains in this area, didn't know the story. Um, so anyway, we to cut a long story short, well, maybe not, um, <laughs> I sent them some photographs that we'd managed to find at the Head of Steam in Darlington and also sent them the accident report. And from that, they came back with a little sketch and said, we'll see if we can't produce you a little diorama. And I thought, fantastic much more than I ever expected but I will say on the day that we put everything into the exhibition which was um, in November there the 8th and 9th of November we were uploading it and the guy came in and said oh I've got the diorama in the back of the car for you and when it came through the door I was just absolutely blown away the work that they'd done it's fantastic yeah it's wonderful I really and it's, it shows the scene of the crash. It shows how the trains were down 
fell down an embankment and how the, the train from heaven crashed into the debris. Um, but more than that, they've actually put a bridge in, they've put some houses in. The, yes. And the signals are there. And it just, and again, it just has blown me away. Somebody else has heard a little bit, heard the story inspired by it and have produced something that is absolutely fantastic for us and it again it just keeps on going I don't know what you think Lorna but then you turned up and said oh there's um somebody we know has got some memorabilia from the trains that's right and that was linked to the new big genealogy project <laughs> where they'd just been talking about railways and um there was Bill May and um, he had a number of uh, articles and I, I asked him would he like to come and join us and, and show some of them at, at the exhibition and good man that he is said yes and um, he brought them and to some extent added to and made made the exhibition yes. along with the, the uh, diorama. There, there are photographs, that, there'll be photographs up on our Facebook page and on our website that we've, we've put together for the Royal 55 um, Bill did, he's brought us, there was actual signals, which are part of the story that they yeah. didn't read. Um, there's the lamps that were important, again, for the trains getting on and off. And other little bits of a steam, steam whistle. Yes, and steam a gauge. gauge and, a <clears throat> and the whistle. A hat. And also he uh, fantastically mounted the photographs that we had up there as well yes he did and let us say so it's just i just cannot get over again it's i'm so grateful for everybody's support you know the fact that beads world allowed us to just take the room over and fill it up with all of our stuff it's been (laughs) and then amazingly invited to the um newcastle festival of course yes And, and participating in that yeah. Um, with a PowerPoint presentation and uh, people being able to hear one and a half scenes yeah. um, and then download them onto iPods. I mean, yeah. just this is wonderful. Just... <laughs> Thank you, David Hepworth. Yeah, it's uh, up until Christmas, there will be, you can download from Newcastle Libraries on um, your, your um, tablets or your phone. You can actually listen to the extract from the play that we are playing out today, but also um, from the new year, we're actually going to be um, enabling them to download the whole um, of the play. So people that have got access to Newcastle Libraries and are members and can go and download, they can actually get copies of the play to listen to again if they want to, (laughs) I'm sure. And uh, so it's something that I never in my wildest dreams expected no. to be doing standing up in front of a group of people talking about the work that we've done is uh, not something I'm relishing but uh, it's it's the fact that we have actually got people that are interested in finding out a little bit more about this and it is a shame that we haven't had this story out there that people aren't aware of it but it was we feel suppressed at the time because there was so much other news going on, obviously with it being the war, uh, but it was page nine, I think, that the actual story was in the the local mm. papers, 
Um, but again, from the research we've done, it was in all the it was a national story and it went around a lot of newspapers. So the national um, newspaper archives, you can get evidence of the stories mm. from there. But every time you know, I read a new piece, it's, uh, and I'm still reading mm. them now because there's so much people involved in the crash and how they what they saw and what they did. One of the things that I've read is uh, where a woman came out from the houses, which was Cleveland Place, and they all came out in their 90s and what have you to try and help, took some of the wounded back to the to the houses until they were sorted out. But one woman came out and she took her coat off and used it to wrap round one of the victims and help them, and then spent the rest of her time wandering around in her nighty trying to see who else she could pull out from the wreck. And help me think, what a time that must have been. Mm. You know, in, in these t- in these days of instant news, where you can see something happening straight away, and people going and helping rescue mm. these people from the train on a really foggy day when. And if you have a look at the pictures that we've got on the on the website, you can see I found amazing is that. You, you look very closely, and in the back, though you can see it's really foggy, in the background it's all the men with their cravats and their caps on. And I think it's uh, real evidence of the times. Yeah. Um, bringing all this together, the play, the exhibition, doing the talks that we have, and and talking to people and interviewing them about the whole thing, it's just been... Amazing. It's wonderful. And there must be more stories out there. There must yeah. be. And of course we're we're now planning next year. We are indeed. Oh yes. <laughs> we must be mad. <laughs> yes. I don't believe we've just spent the afternoon planning oh gosh, what we might do next. So at least we do know that those people that said if you're doing it again, give us a shout. <laughs> we will be shouting or shortly. It might just be help. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's... I've loved every minute of it. Me too. And it's been great working with you, Lorna. Oh, thank you. Same, same with you. Thank you. And you. 